the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Romans 8, from which today's epistle comes, is one of the most compelling chapters in all of the Bible. It describes life in the Spirit, what is happening in us and what will happen in us because the Holy Spirit lives within us. Romans 8 discusses the the struggle we have in life in the Spirit against the flesh and temptation, but it also points beyond that to the Christian hope. A hope is one of three virtues along with faith and love that are planted within us through the gift of the Holy Spirit. The first line of our epistle today points towards our hope. St. Paul writes, quote, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The language here, if we look at it, is, is, is sort of scientific. St. Paul says that it's not, he's weighed out the, um, the sort of weight of the current sufferings. He's compared that to the future glory of resurrection and new creation. He's determined that the two aren't worth mentioning in the same sentence. And this verse in our epistle calls to mind another Pauline verse, 2 Corinthians 4.17, where he writes, quote, Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. This 2 Corinthians passage emphasizes that the pain is not just endured for the sake of getting to the glory, but the pain itself is what produces in us. Working through the tribulation of the Christian life is what produces within us the glory that is to come. And this brings us back to the epistle, which describes the sufferings of this present time as the birth pangs of God's new creation. Quote, the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. And not only that, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. St. Paul's point in talking about the hope is to keep our eyes on the prize. The point of labor is that it produces a baby. The point of the cross is that it leads to the glory of resurrection. We are not yet fully convinced of this, and this is why we do not pursue holiness with greater zeal. The part of us that the Bible calls the flesh, our fallen human nature, still believes that this world has more of what we really want. And this keeps us clinging to the world and makes us get the Christian life backwards. Rather than seeing the tribulations of this life as things that are preparing us for eternal glory, we turn it around and we see God and faith and prayer as a way to get the things we want in this life. And this contrast centers on the virtue of hope. As Romans 8 says, We were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. 
We tend to think of hope as residing in the mind. We have this system of belief that promises us eternal life. To hold on to hope means to hold on to the idea that God has something more for us. But hope is not an idea. Hope is an inner longing planted within us by the Spirit for the fulfillment of our humanity. Hope resides in the heart before the mind can even begin to explain it. As the epistle says, we groan inwardly, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. We taste this fulfillment in our prayer and in the good things of this world that point us towards the kingdom of God. But the consummation of our hope lies beyond time. Hope will be fulfilled when Christ comes and the kingdom of God comes in full. Thus, life in the Spirit means necessarily that we cannot be completely satisfied with anything in time. For nothing in this world can fulfill our hope, our inner longing for consummation and completion. And this is not pessimism. This is what we call a sacramental worldview. When we see this world in the right way, it points us to God. When we see this world in the wrong way, it becomes an end in and of itself. And this is idolatry. And it is idolatry that leads to pessimism and then eventually to despair. If you remove the vision of God from this world, all you have left is the pursuit of temporal happiness, which cannot fulfill the desires of our hearts and will be lost always by death. The church is often accused of being against the enjoyment of life in this world, and sometimes the accusation is accurate. The church's puritanism, legalism, and moralism often give the impression that the church wants to put an end to all pleasure. However, the church in our time is more frequently guilty of moral laxity, of joining with the world against the boundaries of love that God has established. And the reason for this laxity is precisely a decline in the theological virtue of hope. If we do not groan inwardly, waiting for the ultimate fulfillment of all things in Christ, then why not just go for it now and get all you can? Puritanism, legalism, moralism can lead to excessive guilt and fear but moral laxity leads to idolatry, pessimism, despair, and the loss of hope. And that is what we face in the world today. And the answer is to renew our experience of hope. And this is a spiritual exercise, a work of prayer. The more we grow in our life of prayer, the more we grow in our experience of union with God in Christ and the Spirit, the more we will want to remove from our lives anything that gets in the way of that hope. It is our yes to God that leads us to say no to the world. 
The virtue of hope grows in us over time as we persevere in the life of prayer. For example, we receive Christ in the sacrament. As we receive Christ, we receive a taste of new creation now in this world. As we continue to receive Christ in the sacrament over time, we grow in our longing for the fulfillment of the sacrament, for the sign of the sacrament to give way to the reality of Christ. And this pattern applies to the whole life of prayer. We will come to desire more and more that which we habitually pursue. For the last few generations, the church in the West has emphasized making a practical impact on the world. And this emphasis has been overplayed and has resulted in a practice of the faith that is mired in the world has no compelling vision of resurrection and new creation and no persuasive experience of hope. Therefore, we must pray for and cultivate an increase in the theological virtue of hope. We can only say no to the world if we already taste something better, if we already understand that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory which shall be revealed in us if we have something called hope. As 1 John says, quote, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.